Nay, much more than, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow a more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet, er, covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. I want to take from my text, verse 27. Go to the next one for me. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. You know, one thing you've always got to take into consideration when you're reading the epistles that Paul wrote to the churches. Paul was dealing with matters and issues that had arisen in each church. And there are people today who have taken these issues and they've made them sacrosanct. You know, they've made them more or less a law within the body of Christ. The best example I can give is women having their heads covered. And we're told that in that particular church, it was close to one of the largest temples in the world at that time. And it was full of priestesses who were temple prostitutes. And they were recognized by shaving their head. And some of the uh, theologians and those that know uh, all about this, they say that this is what Paul was dealing with for these girls to distinguish themselves from their past life. They were to cover their heads. Now, you can agree with that or disagree with that, but it's just an example of showing you we, we don't actually know for a fact what was going on, we can assume. And so it's the same in all the epistles. There's different issues and different matters had arisen. And Paul was dealing with these different issues and matters that had arisen in the church in Corinth. And I believe that we find Paul dealing with these particular issues which were happening there at that time, and he felt the need to write to them. He felt the need to set things straight as the apostle, because as we'll see in a moment, there seems to have been a bit of infighting and a bit of uh, everybody wanted to be the chief and no one wanted to be an Indian, as we would say here in Northern Ireland. And Paul opens 1 Corinthians 11. He gives instructions there on the breaking of bread and celebrating or remembering the Lord's death till he returns. And we know, therefore, as we read this, that there were some who were treating the communion table irreverently. And Paul wrote to them to put things right so that they would know. In 1 Corinthians 12, therefore, he begins teaching on the gifts of the Holy Ghost And he emphasizes, we have seen in our studies, the importance of the gifts of the Holy Ghost and the importance that all should be filled. You know, there's different ministries that God has set in the church. We'll see that in a moment. But they weren't the only ones to be filled with the Holy Ghost. The whole church had to be filled. But in the New Testament, there were doubters, even as there are today. And therefore, Paul spoke of the importance of the Holy Ghost and the operation of the gifts in the church 
and indeed that all things would be done decently and in order. But then he goes on in 1 Corinthians 13, and he points out that without grace, all these spiritual gifts, all these great deeds which some thought they were doing, all these sacrifices which some were making, they were nothing without love. And although the gifts are important, love is the, should be the, the motivating factor in all that we do and say as the body of Christ. And so we go back into 1 Corinthians 12, and Paul closes this chapter, and we know that Paul did not write in chapter and verses, but as we close uh, chapter 12, Paul spoke, spoke of the gifts, but I believe he also spoke about the importance of the body of Christ, and he used natural body parts and emphasizes how each member is essential, and how each one of us redeemed sinners are in fact members, are in fact part of the body of Christ. Now, Paul, as we've seen, he, he said that the Lord had set ministries in the church. The Lord had chosen those who'd be used in these ministries. And this would suggest to me that there were those in the church at this time who were absorbed in their own self-importance. They were absorbed in their own self-importance. A lot of these people were Jews who converted to Christianity, but they held on to this arrogance that they had that only the Jews were the chosen of God and only the Jews could be saved. There were those who came in from pagan religions who were possibly leaders in that religion. And so there was this then internal battle, it seems, that Paul had to deal with. And he spoke of this in his letter to the church of God at Rome, the same issue. In, first, uh, sorry, in Romans 12, verse 3, he said, For I say unto you, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. He then says what he said, said to them, what he said in uh, uh, at the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians 4 and 11. And he gives some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. And so Paul is pointing out to the church that God had given these ministries to the church. The Lord had set them in the church. And the word set used in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 28 is the same word used in Genesis where the Lord set the sun, the moon, the stars in their place. But Paul also added to these ministries from Ephesians some of the spiritual gifts. And you see there he said, and God had set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And so the emphasis for me here that Paul is trying to stress is that God, yes, he is empowering his church, the body of Christ for these latter days. But God has set in the church, those to direct the church, those to take the church forward, all these different ministries. He said, have all, do all work miracles, are all apostles, are all teachers. And so God sets these individuals in the church. And although these individuals are to lead and to guide, he's also filled the whole church with his spirit. And he has equipped his, his church with his spirit. The spiritual gifts were and still are important to the Lord and they should be important to the church. We live in a, in a day, and my personal view is if you think you don't need the Holy Ghost, you're delusional, because we are wrestling, against, not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness and high places. The devil is a liar. He is the father of lies, and he is after the young folks. 
I've been reading quite a lot lately about some of the things that are going on. There was a school in America, and I know you might think, ah, it's America. It's coming here too, folks. And the children in a class, I think, don't know their, their, what they call them, P1s or P2s, but there were seven and eight-year-olds. And they all signed up for an after-school art craft uh, club. And one of the parents found out from her child that the teacher who was taking this after-school art club had brought in this woman who now uh, wants to identify herself as a man. And she was teaching the children, without the parents' permission, about their gender and how they don't have to accept the gender they were born with. Folks, that is what's going on out there. In the music world, I told you, Truth Unveiled Ministries, look it up on YouTube, look it up on Facebook, folks. It would frighten you what's going on. But God will raise up a standard against it. When the Lord comes, when the devil comes in like a flood, the Lord raises up a standard against him. We need the Holy Ghost to take these people on. We need the Holy Ghost. You know, one thing you'll find, and it's right back to Adam, but the devil uses it greatly, and it's victimization. You see, Adam, he took of the fruit, or the apple, we know it wasn't an apple, but he took of the fruit, but all of a sudden he became the victim because he said to the Lord, it was the woman you gave me. I'm the innocent victim here. It was you, Lord, your fault. And people do that today. And it's one of the great weapons of liberalism in our society today. Those that are trying to indoctrinate our children with the ways of the world. They make them victims. All of a sudden, someone's a victim. If you disagree with them, they're a victim. If you don't agree with their lifestyle, they are a victim. You are homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, every phobia you can think of. This is the world mindset. And this is off the devil, folks. And this we can only take on when we are filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, there's some would actually say, what's the use of the Holy Ghost in churches today? And there are many, sadly, have, instead of trying to be filled with the Holy Ghost, they've brought the world into church. And they've did this to attract people. They tell people, it's okay, just pray the sinner's prayer, and you're saved. You don't need to worry about your lifestyle. Just carry on as you are because God loves you. You were born that way. It's not your fault. See, the victim part of it. You were born that way. You're the victim here. The world tells people that when someone does not agree with them, as I've said, you, you, they're victims of bigotry and all sorts of, as we've seen, uh, phobias. Just because God gave the man the ability to choose, men blame God for the choices they make. That's the world we live in. We need to remember a very important aspect of God as we want to reach out to people. God hates sin. God will not tolerate sin. He loves the sinner, but he does not love their sins. Peter, you know, people looked at, at, at different things in different ways to get people saved today, to attract people today. My belief is all you need to do is turn to the Word of God. Because in Acts 2, verse 38, we've read this a couple of times. This is the formula of a man who spent 40 days on his, uh, in a room with Jesus before his ascension, who spent three years following Jesus, listening to his teachings. And I believe we can trust him, therefore. 
And what did he say? To get people saved, he told them, what must we do to be saved? As he stood in the steps of Jerusalem, they cried out to him. He said, repent, turn from your sins. We can't accept, we can accept people, but we can't accept them keeping their sins. We need to tell them, you have to turn from your sins. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is what the apostles did as they went about from church to church, from village to village, starting churches. This is what they implemented. This was important to the apostles. And sadly, I don't believe it's important to some people today in churches. Repent. Turn to the Lord. Jesus wants you to turn away from your sins. You know, church, if we don't tell men that, we are doing them a terrible disservice. And we're failing the Lord. We need to tell them the full gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to tell them, yes, God loves you. Yes, God died on the cross for your sins. And yes, pray and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. But you have a part to play in it. Not a part that learn your salvation, but you need to turn from your sins. You need to become that new man in Christ. And as we preach this gospel, the Lord has equipped us to do this. The gifts of the Spirit are given to the body of Christ. Why? We've seen this so that God would be exalted. They are not given to exalt men or women. They're not given to exalt the preacher in the pulpit and how wonderful he is if he prays for people and they get healed or he's a great prophet. It's all about exalting the Lord. The only one whose, names should, whose name should be in lights is the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of God will work in the body of Christ. It will confound the world when the body of Christ come together and work. Each of us have a different ministry. You have a ministry. I have a ministry. I'll support you in your ministry. You support me in my ministry. You support your brother, their sister, in their ministry. Do what God has given you to do and be filled with his spirit. And the devil and his demons will flee before you. Why? Because we are in unity in the Lord and we're filled with his spirit. Nothing can overcome you if you trust in the Lord. You know, the devil has planned many things, and in my opinion, he controls the total media today, whether it's social media, television, films, whatever it is. It's disgusting what they're promoting. Uh, there's another example. I don't know if you heard it. I'll not say the bank's name, but I did check before I said this. They have said that if their customers aren't happy with the pronouns they're using, go somewhere else. Well, that bank's going to lose an awful lot of customers. And Gene and I are one or two of them. <laughs> this is what the world is doing. Pressuring banks. Uh, someone commented on this on the, on the news and television. Said that it's less than 20% of the whole population are telling the rest of us what we can and what we cannot do. What we can and what we cannot believe. And thankfully he was saying enough is enough. But we just pray they'll listen to them. But the world will try all this. The world will send you through fires. The world will try and test you. And we can be glad because God is with us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were cast into a fiery furnace. And it says that not even their clothes had the smell of smoke when they were in the fire. Uh, Daniel 3, 24 and 25. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spoke and said unto his counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? 
They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I just love that bit where it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. He thought that these men were finished, although he didn't want to do this. He was forced to do it and condemned to do it because of the laws. But he thought they were finished. And the world thinks they've got the church finished. But God is in them fires with us. God is going through the rivers with us. God is going over the mountains with us when we are filled with his Spirit. God was with them, and his Spirit moved through them. But you know something? Not only do we see the power of God, we see the judgment of God also, and we need to be careful. In Acts 5, 1 to 11, we read of Ananias and Sapphira, his wife. They sold their possessions, but they kept back part of the price. Fear fell on everyone who's seen what happened to them for lying unto God. What happened was theirs was not a sacrifice. It was a gift to be seen of men. And if we, of our actions, if what we do, of what we give, of the sacrifices we make, if they are just to be seen of men, then they will be destroyed. They will go nowhere. But whatever we do, we should be doing to the glory of God. Not looking, it's nice when people congratulate you, but not looking for a pat on the back. Looking for someone to, to see Jesus in you, working through you. And that will only come, brothers and sisters, when you are filled with the Holy Ghost. It won't come in your own power. I'm not trying to insult anyone this morning, but you're delusional if you think that you as a human being can take on the wickedness in this world, can take on the prince of darkness of this world, the father of lies. You need God in your life. You need the Holy Spirit. You need God's, light, God's leading, God's guiding, God's filling, God's protection, and God's peace. And that's what the church needs today. Think of Peter lying in prison, awaiting certain death when the Lord delivered him. In Acts 12, verse 11, it tells us, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me out of the hand of Herod from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. That everyone thought, this is it. Peter has finally been silenced. The church will die. When this man dies, the church is going to die with him. When James died, when he was struck through with a sword, they thought that was it. He is, the church went on. When they stoned Stephen, when Paul held the coats of those that stoned him, they were astonished that because he looked up into heaven and he just said, Lord, forgive them. That is the power of God working in and through us. And that same God who was there yesterday is the God who is here today. That power that was in Peter is the power that God wants to put in you. With respect, God is no respecter of persons. Peter is just a man who was filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul was just another man who was filled with the Holy Ghost. He's not exalted. In God's eyes, we are all equal. We're all equal. We have all different ministries. As I've said, and when we come together and use these ministries together, support each other in these ministries, then the church of God marches forward. The body of Christ goes forward. And that same spirit is the spirit that God wants to pour on you. You will be attacked. In Acts 13, in the Isle of Patmos, the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, he wanted to speak 
to Paul and Barnabas and, and what he had heard about them and what he had seen of them and, and whatever conversations he had had with them, he was under conviction. Uh, he, he definitely was considering them and he wanted to talk to them. But a sorcerer named Bar-Jesus, he tried to turn the heart of the, the deputy from the faith that they were teaching. But you know something? God revealed this to Paul. You see, God can reveal these things to you give you discernment. Listen to this discernment that Paul had when he spoke to this man in Acts 13, 10 and 11. Paul said, and O foot of subtlety and all mischief, thy child of the devil, thy enemy of all righteousness, will thy not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing a sun for a season. And immediately there fell in him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. You see, God revealed to Paul what this man was up to, and God revealed to his church, and as I've said this morning, there are people letting us, the church, know uh, what is going on in the world when we read these things, and we hear of these things, and great organizations like the Christian Institute and, and Britain Watch, and they are informing us. God is revealing to them what the devil is doing. The deputy here, when he seen the wisdom and this discernment that Paul had from the Lord, he believed in God. It was, you know, when, whenever this man's lies were revealed to the king and he was blinded, the deputy thought, or not the king, the deputy, the deputy then turned to the Lord and became a believer. In Acts 16, there's a damsel who had a familiar spirit. She followed Paul and Timothy, telling everyone that they were men of God and were showing the way of salvation. Now, some might think, well, what's the problem there? Surely they're not, you know, informing people that you uh, are men of God. But you know something? There was something wrong there. She had a familiar spirit. She had a familiar spirit. Folks, today, we have television channels totally dedicated to those with familiar spirits. And they're telling people that they're talking to their dead loved ones. They're not. Their dead loved ones are lying in their grave asleep in the Lord. They're talking to demons. And that is the fact. That is the truth. And this woman had this familiar spirit in her. And in Acts 16 verse 18 it said, And this she did many days. But Paul being grieved turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he come out that same hour. We have power over the demons. We have power in the name of Jesus. There's people in churches today don't believe in demons. They think they're a load of nonsense. There's no such thing. But my question to them is, well, who on earth did Jesus cast out then? Of the swine, of individuals that he came across. And the demons come out and demons recognized him. When Paul and Peter and the apostles, what did they cast out? They're a very true thing. And I've said to you about that uh, Unveiling Truth uh, website. You go on to it and you'll see all about it. A very well-known rap star, and I don't follow rap. I wouldn't follow it. I'd rather have my teeth drilled. But he's saying that the demons that he can summon can make people turn gay, as he says it. And so the demons which he is summoning is making people, whether that he can do that or not, I don't know, but this is what they're saying. There's a very famous lady Look this up for yourself because I don't want to name names in the pulpit. It's one of the top stars, I would say. And again, I've never heard her sing, but I hear that in the news. She said 
that she can summon demons as she worships the Lord. Another famous one says that this, she calls it this boy, when she's going to perform, inhabits her, takes over her. And many people who have watched her said that when they see her performing, her eyes change, her face features nearly change. Brothers and sisters, that's what's going on out there. That's the influence on the young people out there. And we've got to give them a godly influence, and we need the Holy Spirit to do that. Church, the Bible is clear. The Lord has set his spirit in his body, the body of Christ, his church. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that the Lord took them away again. Nowhere in the Bible does the Lord say that this is for a season, or this is for a dispensation. I believe we need the Holy Spirit more today than we have ever needed it. We need the infilling of the Holy Ghost more than we have ever needed it. And I believe, and I've told you before, I've talked to many friends here in the ministry, uh, talking to David Purse during the week. He did a 33-week series on the Holy Ghost. And we hadn't spoke up until I had done, well, I'm on my fifth night. And other ministries in America, friends that, that would contact me through social media, they're all saying about how they're preaching on the Holy Ghost. That tells me that God is calling his church to be filled. That tells me that you are the church. So God is calling you to be filled with his spirit. And it's up to you and it's up to me. Do we get filled? Or do we just say, no, that's not for me. That's not for this church. Church, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God in our church, in our land, and in our lives. Why would God give it to me? Why would God give it to me? I told you about a funeral I did the other week, and some people still can't believe I'm a Christian, let alone a minister. And they would look and say, why would God give that to him? Why on earth? How on earth? Did... I'll tell you why. Because God loves us. It says in Luke eleven thirteen, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, listen folks, this is the word of God, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? To them that ask him. That's you, church. That's me, church. We need the Holy Ghost. We need empowerment from on high. We're doing the right things, trying different things to bring people to the house of the Lord. That's good. I believe the Lord will bless it. But more importantly than what we do is what we are filled with. We need the Holy Ghost because as we've already seen, without the power of God in us, we're just wasting our time. Because it's when we are weak, God is strong. Amen? When we are weak, God is strong. It's not when we are strong. It's not when we think we are capable. It's when we trust totally and absolutely in the move of God in our lives. Church, this is not just me. So don't be thinking, this is just Alan Stevens here. I believe with all my heart, and just check it yourselves, go and Tune into other churches and see what they're teaching, see what they're preaching in Pentecostal. And they'll all tell you that they are telling their people we need filled with the Holy Ghost. There needs to be a wave of the move of God in his church. There needs to be a getting back to where we were with God. Amen. And we need that. I can't do that for you. You have to do that for yourself. You can't do that for me. This is something I have to do for myself. This is something that I have to seek God. Yes, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. 
But I do need at times to be recharged, as it were, to build up again, to pray to God, to pour that Spirit upon me. What are you going to do with the call, church? Are you going to seek his face? Are you going to say, well, you know, Lord, tongues and all that there, that's not me. Well, you know, not everybody, my personal view is not everybody speaks in tongues. What did we read there? Do all speak in tongues? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gift of healings? No. But you need the Spirit in your life. I do believe by the way that you should seek the tongues because they're a great help to your prayer life. And they're a great help to build you up in your faith. So church, where do, well, I'll talk to myself, where do I go from here? Do I humble myself and fast and pray because of what's going on out there and the realization that I need the power of God working in and through me? Or you just carry on as I am? You ask yourself that question, church. I do believe that God's challenging his church, the body of Christ, the feet, the hands, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the legs, were all important. You'll not get far without your legs. You'll not be able to eat your lunch today without your hands. But when we all come together and help each other, and seek God's face, and seek a move of God in our lives. I'm going to ask the musicians to come back. We're going to ask the elders to please come forward. We have a request for a prayer cloth. If you'd like the ministry of the elders, then please come forward. And even why not come forward if you want to be...